course, it takes longer. Okay. <laughs> about four years ago, uh, whilst you're finishing off, about four years ago, a hundred Christian influencers across the city, so pastors, politicians, business people, went to New York. And, uh, and there were a hundred of us at a conference which was talking about how Christians can change a city. And uh, we listened to guys speak, and we met in groups, and we spoke about how we were going to make a difference in the city. Then a little while after that, we kind of, in that next season, we just built relationships. Black, white, Indian, colored, it just, we started to connect. Until pastors actually started liking each other. So it's an amazing thing when pastors like each other. Anyway, we started doing that. We started praying together. We have a, a monthly prayer meeting, and, and just stuff started to happen. And then Carte Blanche gave us a gift. I don't know if you remember when Carte Blanche blazed Durban. Do you remember that, that article that came out and they told uh, Durban's going to the, that and uh, they, were drug, uh, they were finding needles in places. Do you, you remember that? Why do you watch Carte Blanche? God bless. Uh, and anyway, they showed that video and then City Story guys, this group that I'm part of, said, right, we're going to make a difference. And they released a video around... In the next four years, we'll make a difference to the inner city. What happened after that is that it went viral. About 3,000 or 3,500 people registered on City Story website to make a difference. They said, right, what do you want us to do? The people just came to the party. And then City Story leaders, uh, we had like a little meeting and we went, what are we going to do? We've got to fix this quickly. And, uh, and so we've slowly come up with a plan. And there's, there's an initial kickoff. Um, and then we're going to go into a bigger thing. So I'm going to show you a video of the kickoff, and then I'm going to talk to you about what's going to happen after that and the role you're going to play. So watch this. Citizens of Durban. Our vision as City Story is to see people from across our beautiful city connect with each other, collaborate to tackle problems, and to see the change that we all dream of. We are excited about our upcoming City Serve events happening on Saturday, the 30th of November. City Story is collaborating with over a dozen citizen-led organizations scattered along the Durban Golden Mile to clean up specific areas and to work in appreciating and encouraging lifeguards, street cleaners, informal traders, and car guards who are designated to these different parts of the city. Follow our City Serve events on Facebook to stay updated and see the various activities. Show your support by sharing this and invite your friends to take part on the day. Cool, hey. Okay, so... You guys, Olive Tree is, uh, is doing the lifeguards. So, so on that day, from 8.30 to 12, we're going to have a team of people who can swim and snorkel. We're going to clean the reef. So diving down. Hope the swell's big. It'll be funny. Uh, anyway, we're going to be cleaning the reef. We're going to be... We have physios, masseuse, pe people who massage. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, I know. I was struggling with that one. Uh, people who massage and... And doctors, actually, who are going to be giving, helping the lifeguards, just serving them, blessing them. Uh, then we're going to have a beach cleanup, and we need people who are going to make packed lunches for the, for the volunteers and, and for the lifeguards. We're going to then be taking lifeguards who, who have done the course or are going to do the course, and we're going to create a sustainable way for them to get jobs as lifeguards as Olive Tree Church. Are you in? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Eh? 
but it's just a small part of what's a bigger process. So when we were looking at the inner city and how we were going to change it, what we realized is what happened in Florida Road needs to happen in the inner city. So business people and, uh, and a, a bunch of Christians have come together and they've said, right, an urban improvement precinct, which is basically um, an area that cleans and greens certain areas and, and creates security in those areas, needs to be put across the entire Golden Mile and, and moved backwards into the city, so all the way up the city. So we're starting that. Um, basically, the, about the business guys, some of the Christian business guys are funding 200 jobs to clean and green um, the, in this, that, that area. And then from then, what we're going to do is we're going to keep adding to, um, to the UIP so that it spreads all the way up to, to Ambila. And here's, here's what I'm saying to people, because I was sitting in, in one of the meetings. I was called to a meeting with some business guys, and, uh, and I challenged them. I said, okay, you're going to help. How's about you start buying buildings? Because if we're really going to change this, we're going to need to buy buildings. And, and they said, oh, Ross, we're giving lots of money. I said, okay, I'll tell you what. You play your part, I'll play mine. I'll move people into the area. You see, if we're going to turn the city around, we have to engage properly. You've got to give yourself in faith. And so, so anyway, I'm challenging them. We're going to be challenging you. We're going to start thinking about moving into those areas and transforming them. Is that cool? And some of you are terrified. <laughs> Lord Jesus, as I preach today, will you anoint me? Will you, will you shine out of me? Will you connect people's hearts and heads to your plan for their lives in Jesus' name? Amen. So we're starting this new series, Sibu Siso, and uh, it, it means to be a blessing. And uh, I, when, when we were thinking of, of the series, I wanted to call it Be a Blesser. But, uh, but anyway, that would have gone badly. I, I just thought it would be lots of fun. Um, some of you would have taken it seriously, and that would have been a problem. Uh, but uh, we've come out of this series. Bones, why do you think it's so funny? But <laughs> we've come out of this series that I've loved so much on God's will for your life. And what we said is... Uh, because uh, I'm going to link these two. God's will for your life is that you die because you can't have your will for your life and God's will for your life. That was week one. Week two, we said God's will for your life is that you're rooted into the love of Christ because you'll produce fruit according to the, where your roots are. And then we said, week three, that you grow towards the light. And then in week four, we said God's will for your life is that you bear much fruit. And Audrey spoke so well. She, she said, that part of the fruit that you bear is the love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, all the Holy Spirit fruit. And then other parts of the fruit that you bear is, is the good works. You know, so Ephesians 2, it says that, that God has created you. You're a masterpiece. It uses this word masterpiece, handiwork, that, that you are created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God, that God prepared in advance for you to do. He had a plan and a whole list of good works that he wanted you to give to you so that you could give it back to him as an act of worship. This is, this is the plan for your life. So I want to take God's will for your life and tie it into the context in which you're in a city. Now I know that there are many, many people here who when you think about a city, you, you kind of go, God's in the burg where the air is clean, you can drink from the stream, 
There's silence, there's no noise. And when you think about cities, you think of pollution, crime and grime, you think about the densest concentration of the worst of humanity all in one place, the bluff. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've just been on men's camp and we had a few guys from the bluff. They're special. We had a testimony of a guy who's been arrested 42 times. Like, how do you get arrested? Like, you're talented to get arrested 42 times. But, but that wasn't that bad, because the next oak, who's done everything other than murder, like he gets up to, to testify, and he says to the oak who, who's been arrested 42 times, he says, Bro, how do you get caught 42 times? And you just know. <laughs> And I was listening to these testimonies and I was chatting to Justin and Justin was going, bro, how do we reach people like this? And I said to him, our church is back on track because when you're reaching people like that, you can actually change a city. That's what God's called us to do. And when we're starting to reach people who have no hope and who've been broken and bruised and messed up and they're starting to give their lives to Christ, you know something can make a difference. So I'm going to talk to you And I'm going to talk to your heads. So all those people who just listen with your heart, you're going to have to turn your head on. I'm going to talk to you about how God sees cities. And then um, I'm going to give an uppercut around your role. It's going to be lovingly done. And you'll love me at the end. Maybe. When God looks at cities, he loves them. And I'm going to tell you why. You've got to do a little bit of history. And in Genesis 4.13, you see the first city. Cain's just killed his brother Abel, and God has said, I'm going to push you out of my presence, and this is how it goes. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is far more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I'll be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. And so God says, don't worry, I'm going to mark you so that nobody will touch you. And then it says, Cain made love to his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city, and he named it after his son, Enoch. Here's what happens. When you move out of the presence of God, a loneliness exists in your soul. And therefore, you will start to build. A city actually means a settlement or a fortified settlement. You'll start to build a place of safety where you can reconnect with people because you desire connection. So he builds the settlement and people start to come. You know the people have been coming to cities ever since and right now it's on the biggest uptake it's ever been. In fact, by 2050, 70% of this world's population will live in cities. Which is interesting if you don't like cities. The world is moving to cities. That's really, really important because if you want to reach the world, you need to reach cities. In fact, if you want to reach Nigeria, what you do is you go to Little Lagos on Point Point Road, Mahatma Gandhi Road, and you reach people there. And if you want to reach India, you go to Little Bombay in Phoenix, and you reach people there. And if you want to reach Harare, you go onto West Street, and, and you start meeting Zimbos there, and Longwe and Kinshasa. If you want to reach these cities, you reach people in our city, because they go back. This is how you you build the church. But cities are different 
to rural areas. How many of you grew up in, in little towns? All my homies, come, stick your hands up. How many of you born and raised and lived your whole life in Durban? You disappoint me. <laughs> Durban must be the only place in the world where people just live their whole life in Durban. Anyway, it is lovely to have you. Please stay. I want to talk to you about the difference. In Genesis 4.20, it goes on. It says, Ada gave birth to Jabal. He was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock. His brother's name was was Jubal, not Jabal. He was the father of all who play stringed instruments and pipes. Zillah also had a son, Chubal Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. What you see in Genesis 4 is what happens in cities. In cities, you have density and you have diversification. So you have differently talented people. Those of you who grew up in, in little towns, my mom, she used to put dramas and plays together. And I think she was very talented, but some of the people she was working with were less talented. <laughs> and so it never would have been the playhouse. But when you get into a city, you see the levels of talent and diversity that create something much better than the individual. And when you get to the city, you realize how much talent is actually here. I know, because some of you came to Durban to make a name for yourself in things like rugby, and you got here and you watched the first game that Oaks were practicing, and you thought, I hope I make the B team, when you thought, before, I'm going to play for the Springboks. Like, it just, it's what happens when you come into cities, and the result of that is cities shape the culture of the world around us. Cities affect rural areas, which is, which is why Paul planted churches in cities, he didn't plant in Naples. He planted in Rome. He wrote letters to Corinth and Ephesus. He was going off to the main cities because if you reach the main cities, culture forces it out into the rural areas. You think of, of even social media drives. Like you think about um, uh, Am I Next and uh, Me Too. You, you think about these, these movements. Though they were on social media, they still gained traction in cities and then moved out into the rural areas. This is, cities have influence. If you want to make a difference in the world, you have to reach cities. I'm lost. Where am I? This is why we, um, we're talking as an eldership about planting a site in Cowies Hill, somewhere between Cowies Hill and Moweni, and... Uh, and New Germany, like slap bang in the middle where we can reach a diversity of people. But cities, cities also, so they're important for strategic, cultural reasons. They're important because they teach us how to live differently. You know, the Bible says some fascinating things. It says that if you commit rape in the rural areas or up in the sticks, the man who commits rape must be stoned. If rape is committed in a city, and no one hears a scream, they must both be stoned. So it's not a, a law anymore, although from what I'm seeing on social media, it might become one. But uh, this is the thinking. If you're in a city, there is a densification of people that creates a different way of doing community. Now, let me tell you why this is important. A, a, a little while ago, I was trying to encourage our white folk to come with me into t town. 
And I was saying, don't worry, it's going to be safe and all of that. And I could see the white folk going, ah. And uh, anyway, I kept inviting. And Zama came up to me afterwards and she started tuning me. She said, Ross, I don't feel safe in the suburbs. In town, if my phone gets stolen, I'll scream. And Oaks will chase that oak. They'll catch him. They'll bring my phone back. That doesn't happen in suburbs. In fact, the other day, I was driving through Lucy at night. And I saw this lady, and she was, she was screaming. And I was, I was flying past. I thought, oh, I better turn around. So I turned around, came back. And, and as I got up to her, I opened the door, and she sprinted. She just threw her stuff at me. Flip, she almost smoked me with like a 5 kg bag. She jumped in the car, and she said, go, go, go. And I drove off. And there was, there was a man. I said, what happened? She said, there was a man who was trying to rob me. But because it was in the suburb, there was no one to scream to hear her. You see, there's a different way. You start to understand community differently in cities. You start to understand the purpose of God in cities. And here's what I need you to know. Though everything begins in a garden, in Eden, it ends in a city. If you don't like cities, you're stuffed. The city, the new Jerusalem that's coming out of heaven, it's, it, the way it's described is it's about 1,400 miles long. It's, it's kind of from here to Cape Town long and high and wide. And it has buildings, not Star Trek buildings, other buildings. It has buildings that, that maybe look like Singapore. And it's, it looks like the next photo. It look, I think it'll look something like that. And Jesus will be at the center and he'll be the light. There'll be no need for the sun. There'll be no sea, which I think is a spelling error in the Bible. But, but outside of that, it's just, it's going to be beautiful. God loves cities because he can influence from them. God loves cities because they have people. You know, there's an amazing book. You must read Jonah. So Jonah is the story about God coming to a guy saying, I want you to go preach in that city. And Jonah goes, Nortbrew, opposite direction. So God has to send a whale, bring him back. Uh, it's like a bad way to be brought back. Anyway, then he goes and he preaches in, in Nineveh. And the greatest revival in all the Old Testament happens in Nineveh. It's quite profound. Anyway, so he, he comes to Nineveh. Now, he hated the Ninevites. I'll tell you why. The Ninevites were known for going into a village, chopping off people's hands so they couldn't eat and poking out their eyes and then leaving so that the next village knew, don't mess with these oaks when they come surrender. This is the Ninevites. So Jonah goes into Nineveh and he has to preach a message of repentance and this is what he says. In 40 days, you're all going to burn. You're going to hell because God's going to punish you. It's a message, enticing. Millennials would have jumped up and down going, yes, God. And people just start repenting everywhere. I mean, it's bizarre. And then God says to Jonah, he says, and should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, which means they're utterly clueless about life, and also many animals. God loves the people in our cities and even the animals. Not the monkeys, though. <laughs> uh, cities, God loves. He loves the design of them. He loves all aspects of cities. But, but cities are broken. I want to tell you the root of the brokenness because the root lives in us and I want to get it out. 
In Genesis 11, it, it gives us, there are really two cities in the Bible. There's the New Jerusalem and there's Babylon. And the first moment that we see Babylon or Babel is in Genesis 11 and it says this. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used the bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered all over the earth, all over the face of the whole earth. Now, a few thoughts. The first one is this. When they said tower, what they actually meant was, was this thing. It's a ziggurat. Show us the next picture. That thing. So archaeologists have found a whole lot of writings about the ziggurat. A ziggurat was a place that people could meet with demonic forces, with demons. And the goal was that they would meet with the demons and they would acquire knowledge that they could use to make themselves great. Okay? So this is the first picture we see of true idolatry. Idolatry is when you worship something so that you can make yourself great. The next verse explains the big problem. It says, let us make a name for ourselves. Now, that is called pride. Remember when, why Satan got kicked out of heaven? Pride. It's the original sin. Now, how many people move to cities to make a name for themselves? Driven by pride. Now, I want, I want you to hear this strongly when you are operating out of a, let me make a name for myself, you are being like Satan. And the result is that you invite all kinds of satanic force into your life. You see, this is why the scripture says, let no selfish ambition or vain conceit be in your heart. Here's why, because Satan will come in through that, which is why he programs the world to be, how many likes do I get? How many, you know what you're trying to do? You're trying to make a name for yourself. And whilst you're driven by that pride, Satan keeps taking you out, which is why you see an entire generation in pain. See, the opposite of pride is not living for, let me make a name for myself, but let me make a name for God. They're different. They can, they can look fairly similar. Here's why it's so insidious. Because you can do such great things with pride. Think about, think about Bok pride. Huh? Springbok pride. Like, man, we're so proud of the box. Or think about school pride. Or think about, think about the pyramids. So when Pharaoh built the pyramids, he was doing it to make a great name for himself. I mean, you can achieve amazing stuff, but the problem, this is where it starts to get in. In order to make a great name for myself, I have to do it by elevating myself above all those around me. And so Pharaoh builds the pyramids on the backs of slaves. Pride will always result in one group going up and another group going down. And the rich will always get richer and the poor will always get poorer. And there will always be greater and greater levels of separation. You see, pride will, will create a divide that crushes whilst elevating. 
And the thing about the crushing is that those people will experience pain because sin will be done against them because you will be asking the question, not how much can I pay this person, but how little can I get away with paying this person? You'll be asking that question so they get crushed. And whilst you're doing that, your soul gets crushed. This is the driver in most cities. And the last thing it says, we need the city so that we won't be scattered across the earth. It's fear. I'm so scared of being lonely. Idolatry, pride, and fear will create cities where people are divided, a group is crushed, and souls are emptied. Jesus comes in, and he's just incredible. Everywhere he goes, all he's doing is lifting up the poor, healing diseases. He's, he's just taking people, saying, hey, ladies, in a world where, where Jews used to pray, thank you for not making me a dog or a woman or a Gentile. Jesus was going, hey, ladies, come. He's just, you know what he's doing? He's just lifting people up. And he would say stuff like this. I want to read Matthew 5. He'd say, you're the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You're the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. He would walk around, and the scripture says he'd go from city to city healing the sick. He would, he would go just empowering people everywhere he went. He came poor and just elevated. I was doing some research on the early church. And when you start studying the early church, you start to get depressed about the current church because we've lost our saltiness. We've lost our light. And, and though I'm going to shout at you, I'm going to lead you out. You know, in the early church, I was looking in Alexandria, which is basically Cairo. The church ex grew so, so quickly. And the reason was, in those days, um, people would leave their babies either on their doorsteps or they would take them to the temple and just leave them. And the church used to have these things called baby hunts, which is not a great name. They could have branded that a bit better. But they, they would go and they would find babies and they would take them into their homes. One after the next, after the next. They would just bring these babies in. And so the church became one massive orphanage, just overnight, just bringing people in. They, um, the, you'd have plagues go through the cities. In Alexandria, a plague came through the city and people were dying left, right, and center. The Christians went into their homes and nursed the sick people, exposing themselves to the sickness. Many died. There was lots of praying and people getting healed, but many, many died. And the people around, though they hated the Christians, loved the Christians. In fact, they said things like this. Historians said things like this. Like the body needs a soul, cities need Christians to be alive. This is the effect of the early church. You know, when, when people were dying because of those plagues, the Christians, and Christians were garbage collectors. They were collecting people, and they were, because they believed in the resurrection of the dead, they were washing them, cleaning them, and burying them, and the result was plague stopped. This is Christians. 
They started hospitals because Jesus healed the sick. They prayed for the sick and they started hospitals. They were starting orphanages. They were, they were doing everything to shift the city. You can be that church. We can be that church again. That, that church, it's not dead. It's in your spirit and your spirit wants that. You know, a little while ago, someone empowered me incredibly. I was sitting in this, this meeting, and this person said this to me. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. They said, why do you put up with that? And, and I kind of gave them like a random Christian answer because that's what loving people do. And this person said to me, no, it's not. That's because you're trying to please them. You need to stop that. You ever, you ever had like a good clap that was just so empowering? I left there going, you're so right. This is so good. You have disempowered yourself so much by looking to the government to solve your problems. When God's been going, will you be my church? There are people here who've disempowered themselves so much because you've looked at a certain salary band being your Solution, a certain this, when I get to that, if I get out of this. You know, Jesus said something profound. He, he said a lot profound, but this was utterly profound. And somewhere in John, he says, you will see the Son of Man with angels going up and down upon him. And when the Jews heard that, what they would have understood was there was a place called Bethel where angels went up and down onto Bethel, the city, this place. And what Jesus was saying is, now the angels go up and down on me. And when the early church started, they would have gone, and now, because I have Christ in my life, the angels go up and down where I am. Which is so, so important because you are power if angels are going up and down on you. And most of us want to have power. You see, having power is a huge bank account. Having power is I am a politician. Having power is, is a whole bunch of what I don't have. Being power is stepping out though I don't have it because God, his angels are up and down working through me. And God wants you to be the church again. The early church changed the world and they were poor. You cannot hide behind, I don't have it. And so I want to lead you. And the primary reason I want to lead you is for your soul. The happiest, most fruitful, joyful, like incredible people I know are people who give themselves to those with less. And they often don't have as much money and don't have comforts and aren't going overseas, but there's something inside of them that you're I just want to eat off. I want you to be those people. I want to be the more of that kind of person. And so this series, I mean, I'm just shouting at you today, but from now on, it's going to be nice. We'll be nice again. This series is about you taking steps towards there. You know, eight years ago, I started preaching the message on the city. At that time, the first time I preached about loving the city, Oaks looked like it was like preaching against a wall. This is hatred coming back. Today, 
There's love for our city in this place. People are adopting kids. There's a there's a city story prayer meeting where churches from all over Durban are coming together. We're having people raised from the dead in the city. There's, there's stuff that is so beautiful and I'm scared you're going to miss it. So come on this journey and let God set you alight again and become salt again. May God bless you. It's been great shouting at you. Have a fantastic day. Go to the promenade. <laughs>